This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous at the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each episode, we have one goal in mind, to share experiences, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Masters in Travel is a podcast, community, and academy for travel advisors by travel advisors, and I'm so glad to have you join the conversation. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. One of the very first questions that I ask any advisor who's joining my team or just an advisor who's looking to join the industry in general is we're all interested in being a travel advisor, and that is abundantly clear. But are you also interested in being an entrepreneur and being a CEO and in running a business which will require far more than quote unquote, just being a travel advisor, but will also require you to develop marketing plans to get to know and become an expert in social media and to work on all of your accounting and all of your financials on your own. And maybe one day to become an HR executive and start hiring people to join your team. So really the question is, are you interested in being a travel advisor and or an entrepreneur or a travel entrepreneur? And this is a really, really, really difficult question to even absorb, let alone answer at the very beginning of your journey. Yet it's so important to think through this question and to really think thoughtfully about it because it's like the fork in the road begins at step one or step two, right? Step one is like, I want to be a travel advisor. Step two is like, oh my God, there's already a fork in the road. How do I handle this? So joining me today to dive into, are you a travel advisor or are you a travel entrepreneur, is Kareen Johnson, owner of Journeys Travel, CEO of Travel Biz Boss, and my co-collaborator at the Masters in Travel Academy Marketplace. She does all the things, people. Kareen, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So Kareen, what does this bring up for you when you think about travel advisor versus travel entrepreneur? What conversations have you had with members of your team? How would you describe the difference? And what thoughts immediately come to mind for you on this topic? Well, I think the first question you have to ask is, how much time do you have to dedicate to this? And do you want to spend that time just planning travel? Or do you want to find more, much more time to run a business? And depending on your life situation, I mean, a lot of the people on our team actually all of them except for me, have children who are in school. The time is just not there to do both. So being able to just join a team and start planning travel and focus solely on that is kind of what our team members love about being on our team. But then there's people that, and I think you're a good example of this, someone who just had such a clear vision of exactly what they want to build right from the get-go and have the energy and the stamina and the drive to do all of it we have those people as well. And the great thing is about our industry is you can choose. You can do either whatever works for you. That's what you can do. And that's such a blessing. (laughs) So it's interesting that you bring up that you can choose because I didn't know I had a choice when I got started. it, It was not made very clear to me that there was an option to join a team And thinking back, it definitely was presented in a sub-agent type of way. Like I knew that it was possible to be a sub-agent, 
but the way the stipulations that came along with that in my particular case were not favorable to me. They were not favorable to the future growth of my business and of my potential. And so it was actually like the numbers part of commission splits and you have to be attached to this person for the rest of your business life. I was just like, whoa, like slowly backing away. Like, I don't know what this is, but this doesn't feel right. The idea of just joining a team like Journeys Travel, where, you know, it's it's far more than just a sub-agent relationship. It's far more than just having someone who's been in the business for a few years to ask questions. And it's more of you are welcomed and brought into our branding, to our marketing, to our, our referrals, and to all of the inquiries coming in. And we spread them out over our team when others are, you know, feeling overwhelmed and they have too much on their plate. And we also have our own private, you know, little chat that we support each other. And we have this and this, that part of joining a team was never offered to me. And not that it's anyone else's responsibility to offer it to me, but I also didn't know it was possible. I wasn't like finding it in my own research of, oh, I could, I don't have to do all this by myself. I could join a team. So while I did have a really, really clear vision from the beginning of, you know, my brand and the type of travel that I wanted to to plan and what I wanted to do. That was also alongside like the complete ignorance that there was another option. Well, you didn't know that there were people like you who are willing to have a team where the person is free to build their own brand and are there for the mentorship Mm -hmm. and the communication. And it's interesting. You brought up such a great point. I think what happens is right out of the gate, when people don't understand what is involved in building this business, All they see are the numbers. I'm going to have to give up part of my commission. And what they don't realize is how much they're getting in exchange for that. And also, you go out there, you know nothing. You're on your own. 100% of nothing is nothing. So Mm -hmm. it's kind, you know, it's often compared to like real estate or even sometimes renting a chair in a salon. You Mm -hmm. have this entire infrastructure that you get to walk right into and start doing what it is you want to do. And yes, the trade-off is some of your commission, but you're going to grow. You're going to make so much more money more quickly, as long as you join the right team, right? That that really shouldn't be the factor. But when you don't know anything and that's all that is presented to you and you don't understand the kind of support you're going to get, you don't understand what it takes to start a business, all of the seller of travel and insurance and, you know, all of these things and how much that costs in and of itself, all you see is I'm going to have to hand over part of my commission and you don't know any better. So I, I just had a conversation with someone who so clearly needs mentorship, but she just won't hear that joining a team is the way to go, but she doesn't want to spend, she doesn't want to pay a mentor either. It was like this back and forth. And I'm like, you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be out there selling travel. You need mentorship. You need help. But she's really right. stuck. And she doesn't know either that there are people, even though I explained it, she doesn't know that there are people where you can be on their team yet building your own brand, right? Right. Okay. So I think that we've now reached another fork in the road of there is mentorship that can come from I have mentees on my team that they all have their own brands, but I have their mentor and they are on my team. And for host agency and IOTA purposes, they are connected to me as sub-agents, but they do not represent Undiscovered Sunsets. I started doing this because, again, as everything I do in life, this is what I wish I would have known was available when I got started. And so 
I just simply wanted to provide this for other advisors. That's mentorship. I think that everyone needs a mentor, mm-hmm. regardless of how you find it, whether you're connected to them as a sub agent, whether they're just in the host agency and they are available to answer your questions all the time. I, I believe like a really strong mentorship, like someone who's checking in with you at least once a month and having an actual face-to-face call, and that probably looks like a sub-agent relationship. I believe everyone getting started should have some sort of mentor, full stop. Yep. What I think today I would like to dive further into is when you're joining a team or when you have a mentor, how do we help talk through the pros and considerations and the realities of joining an established team where you just get to be a travel advisor all day, every day. So whether you're investing 10 hours a week or hundred hours a week, all of those hours are being a travel advisor, as opposed to being a travel entrepreneur, where you are building a brand, you are starting a business, you are soliciting new clients and you are being a travel advisor. So regardless of whether you're investing 10 hours or hundred hours a week, that is all segmented up into maybe 30% is actually being a travel advisor and planning mm-hmm. travel. And another 20 or 30% is trying to figure out marketing. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? Where are you going to post it? How are you going to maximize the ROI and all these marketing efforts? And then another 20 or 30% is actually going through your finances and setting up bank accounts and looking at expenses and trying to project figures and, and do all of those kind of backend things. So how would you talk to an advisor who is like, okay, mentorship, check. I'm going to join a team. That's totally cool. But now my next decision is, do I join a team that has an established brand? And if I join them, I become part of that brand and I become part of that identity. Or do I join a team where I can build my own brand, have my own business name, have my own Instagram handle and my own design aesthetic. And I make the creative decisions on what my itineraries look like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do you start that conversation with an advisor so that they truly understand that this is not just about an Instagram handle, that this is a huge entrepreneurial undertaking. Yeah. If you really want to be a, a travel entrepreneur and not just a travel advisor. Right. You mean like this week when our email had a meltdown and I had to stop my entire life and cancel an appointment so I could tend to. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, like one of those. <laughs> so the first thing that I like to find out is, do they have a vision? Do you already have an idea in mind of these aesthetics, the branding, all of that stuff? Or do you just want to start planning travel? And in our case, everyone on our team is under our brand. We have had a couple of people come and go over the years who were under their own brand. And that's fine too. But we find that most of the people that come on board are really excited to start planning travel and not super excited about building all of the other things. They just want to get started and they want to have that support and they don't want to figure out branding and hiring someone to do a logo and all of those other things. But I think first is to find out if the person already has a vision in mind, which like you did when you started, you had a clear idea of what you wanted to build. And then if they don't, then it just makes more sense to be able to walk into a branding situation and just go for it. And if they do, then you need to start getting a little bit deeper about what that looks like and the time, energy, resources Mm -hmm. that are involved in building that and then see where they stand. I feel like 
some people might have this vision, but then when they realize what it's going to take to execute it, are like, ooh, that doesn't sound super fun. And then some people are like, okay, cool, let's do this, you know? Let's do this, yeah. Like some people, I am very much motivated by a challenge. Yeah. So I think that what I understood at the beginning is, yeah, I'm going to have to learn marketing. I'm going to have to learn, you know, accounting and financials a little bit. I'm going to have to figure out all these things. What I was naive about was the amount of time that it was going to take to not only learn, but really become an expert in those things. Because it's not just learning Instagram or learning Flowdesk or MailChimp to send out a newsletter. It's, oh, okay, I've got my MailChimp account. Now I have to come up with topics to talk about. I have to create some sort of schedule. I have to build my mailing list. Then when I figure out what I want to talk about, I actually have to write the darn newsletter or hire someone to write it. Then I have to send it out. Then I have to think about the next newsletter. And oh, this happens 12 to 24 times per year. What? I'm a travel advisor. I'm not a copywriter. I'm not a marketing expert. And that's just the newsletter. (laughs) So I think I knew that I was going to have to learn a whole lot of new skills. I was naive about the time commitment and the requirement that it was not only going to take to learn those other skills, but also do the thing, write the newsletter, come up with the topics, find the stupid photos to go with the newsletter. I mean, I hate newsletters. <laughs> They're so time consuming. But I think that they're one of the most valuable marketing efforts that I've ever used. It brings me more returns on Instagram, for example. So that's what I was most naive about. And so I think that that's the hard part. That is the classic, like, you don't know what you don't know, right? It's not about standing up to a challenge. I mean, like, I can learn MailChimp. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't learn MailChimp. I'm saying, do you understand that in a month's time, this is probably going to require 15 to 20 hours minimum to brainstorm, write, format, publish, and send every single month just for a newsletter? Yeah. But to be fair, you know, even joining a team, some of that is still going to be involved. You're still going to want to take control of your own relationships with your clients and your marketing efforts. We don't do a company-wide newsletter. I have thought about it many times. We probably should. But aside, I, I do think most people who are even on a team still have to take charge of some of their marketing. But there are just a lot of other things that seem small that suck up time and money, you know, accounting things, reconciling, licensing, keeping your LLC intact, like all of these little pieces and parts that have to be done. Setting up your softwares from scratch. Yep. So if you join a team that's already using Access or Travify, you're probably just being ushered right into their already established library. And you already can see how they format all their items and how they make their itineraries look. So you can just kind of fall in line and be like, oh, good. I don't have to decide if I like bold or make that line on the itinerary italicized every time because it's already been decided for me. And same with travel joy. If you're welcome into a team, I would imagine that you already get a set of email templates and task lists and forms and things that are that that team is already using and you just get to start using them. Yep. As opposed to signing up for Travel Fire, Travel Joy, and then just staring at like a blank, empty shell of a software of like, oh God, yeah, what next? Being able to share all of those resources is huge. Right. So I think those are just some things that I I just didn't fully understand the potential of joining a team that already had those things set up. 
But you mentioned something just a second ago about company-wide newsletter. I think that that you've now officially, in my mind, started a list of like, if you were to join a team in which you were going to go under their branding and their marketing and just focus 100% of your time on travel planning, there should be some questions that you should ask. Yes. Right. And that would be one of them is if I join your team that has the established branding and I'm just going to focus all my time on travel planning, are you doing any marketing on my behalf? Yep. Sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes it's no. That's correct. Well, we have a company, Instagram and Facebook, and that's all covered. It's posting almost every day. It's just a way for clients to look you up and see that you're legit and all of that stuff. Is it really bringing in a ton of leads? No, but we get some. I think that second question is, do you provide any leads? Do you provide any Yeah. Do you provide any marketing on my behalf? And do you provide any leads? I think I would also ask if I were to join your team, for example, how am I represented? Will my face and my experience and my expertise be shown on your website? Like, will I be out in front of your potential clientele being displayed as one of your advisors? Or am I just kind of someone like in the back end that no one knows I exist? I would be curious to know if I were interviewing a team to potentially join. I would be interested to know who else is on the team and what are their areas of expertise. Like, am I joining a group of advisors who are all like me, which might make it hard to stand out if we're sharing leads? Mm -hmm. Or am I joining a team where I have a unique specialty that could provide value to that team? That is a good question for the new advisor. And it is also something that the agency owner needs to consider when building out their team. Mm-hmm. We're pretty lucky. We have a couple people who are generalists, but I still know who to send which lead to. Right. There's clear differences. Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, I would ask what types of systems and software I would be walking into that are already set up for me. Yes. And make sure that I think your team uses Access and Travel Joy. I would make sure that I want to use Access and Travel Joy, right? Or does it make sense to interview another team that might be using? you know, Travify and, and client base or something. Like it's interesting to consider the software, consider what you're envisioning. And maybe this is my independent brain getting to in the way. But if I was thinking that I really want to use Travify over Access, but I'm interviewing a team that uses Access, that's a lifelong commitment, right? Like I wouldn't be able to join your team and just start using a different itinerary builder if I wanted to. I question though, whether a brand new advisor in this position has any idea what any of that is. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> See, we know and sure. <laughs> you have clear opinions about Travify versus Axis. And also, I think it's important to, even if they did know, in most cases, going to be an independent contractor. So you are allowed to use the tools that you want to use at the end of the day. However, being sure. able to walk into a ready-made library, which our team didn't have because we switched to Axis when our host agency started offering it for free. Before that, we were in UMAPT, but there wasn't any real form at that time. Now, down the line, should someone join our team, they're going to have a much more robust library. But TravelJoy, for sure, because of my whole side business doing templates and workflows, our team hit the jackpot on that part. Right, right. (laughs) So for I'm trying to think of what other benefits I've heard of coming from different teams. So I think... I've heard sometimes that like invoicing responsibilities are kind of relieved when you're on a team because they either have someone doing that for the team as a whole, or they've arranged it somehow so that sometimes there's help with that. Consortia comes up a lot because there are buzzwords, particularly around virtuoso, 
So sometimes even a brand new advisor will have some sense of what that means and may want to ask. Now, what they may not understand is whether that consortia will truly benefit them. So like if you're going to sell a ton of cruises, Virtuoso may not be the best choice, whereas Signature takes out tons and tons of group space and gives you price advantages and extra amenities. You know what I'm saying? So like I said, they may have heard Virtuoso and that they're intrigued by Mm -hmm. that, but they need to understand depending on what they want to sell, which consortia. So that's a good discussion to have. Definitely a good discussion to have no matter which direction you're going. If you want to be a travel advisor or a travel entrepreneur to think about consortia. But also this just goes back to a topic that Green and I are like, constantly on our soapbox about is really diving into what kind of business you want to build. Because if you don't know up front what kind of business you want to build, and then six months to 12 months in, you decide, oh, I really love cruises. And then you're not with a host agency or a consortia that is the provides the most bang for your buck when it comes to selling cruises. That's just not a smart business So you really want to ask yourself the tough questions about what type of travel you want to plan to ask those questions. There's teams that I have learned about and talked to that provide coverage for each other when they're traveling. And this is something getting started on my lonesome self. I didn't have this and I don't provide this with my team because we're all running our own brand and our own complete different businesses. So this isn't something that comes with joining all teams, but this is another question I would ask, whether you want to be a travel entrepreneur or a travel advisor joining an established team, I would say this happens most often when you're joining an established team because the branding is consistent. And so if a client is traveling and they're receiving support from someone who has an email signature that looks the same, like that's obviously what you want. That's where that works best. But coverage can be a really important thing that comes when you're joining an established team. It's huge. Huge. I can't imagine just being out there all alone. You have a, you're really sick or you have a family emergency, much less travel, but those things that you don't expect and just not having anyone to rely on. If somebody has a situation like that with our team, we're like, no problem. Put, mm-hmm. put my number in your email, you know, your autoresponder, whatever. So, right, right, right. So one thing that has made me most nervous, so I'm curious to know how you handle this on your team, when growing a team that is going to reflect all Undiscovered Sunsets or all my brand, for example, I then start thinking about reputation Mm -hmm. and consistency. Yep. So for me, that comes up with how we communicate with suppliers, how we communicate with clients the quality of the itineraries going out and the, not just the information that is included, but literally the formatting and the way that the information is included and the order that it is included to make sure that it is digestible and to make sure that the client is seeing the important information. I mean, I am probably overly detailed in a lot of these ways, but I will never back off on the detail that I include in my itineraries because I do believe that, That has led to really clear communication between my clients and I, very rarely having kind of like dropped ball, fell through the cracks kind of communication challenges. And my repeat and referral business is 100% the way that my business grows. And I do believe that my attention to detail goes into that success. So it might be crazy. It might be insane, but I'm never going to back down from it. It makes me nervous at the idea of growing a team 
that is going to represent undiscovered sunsets and trying to keep that consistent through multiple advisors, multiple personalities, multiple styles of communication. So that would also be a really big question for me if I were a new advisor looking to join a team that is already established like branding and whatnot is, is there a clear set of communications that are going to be communicated to me as to how I should be communicating to provide consistency and or what are your expectations? Right. Does this come up for your team at all? No, I would say I'm a little more loosey-goosey than you. (laughs) Um, While there is a standard of quality that we would expect and continue to encourage and grow people, you know, these are independent contractors. There's only so much control you can have over what they do and how they do it. So we're there to support, encourage, show examples. But at the end of the day, each person's personality and their style of working is going to be individual. Yes, we all have the same email signature, but our personalities and our style of communication is definitely different across the board. And I don't worry about it too much unless I see something alarming, which I would address. And we all just have such different personalities, which I actually really love and appreciate. So we don't, you know, I share all of my email templates, but everyone's encouraged to make them their own. We always say people want to work with you. They want to know who you are as a person. So we don't mind those creative differences. I I also understand where you're coming from. And there, like I said, there is a certain standard there that we want to see met, mm-hmm. but it's pretty flexible based on the, the advisor's preferred way of communicating. And I I think that this would be a really important conversation slash question to have if someone were looking to join a team, whether it's an established team with branding or just joining as an independent contractor and you're going to run your own business. It's just, is the communication there? Like, are there expectations set for me that I can follow? Like, do I have an example to, to consider? And or am I just at my free will? And how important is it to the person running that agency, like the CEO or principal advisor or whatever, that there is a certain level of consistency? Because someone like you is like, hey, as long as we're building good relationships here, we're good. And someone like me is, oh, I I personally feel it's really important that if anyone comes to Undiscovered Sunsets to plan their trip, I want them to have a pretty consistent experience, whether they work with me or someone else on the team. And I feel strongly about that, but not everyone does. And so I think that that is also just brings up another really important point of conversation. And I will say that I have failed until now. And this is why I haven't grown the team of Undiscovered Sunsets is because I haven't taken the time myself as a principal advisor to sit down and create that culture guide, to create that guide of expectations. And this is the type of language that we use. This is what itineraries look like. This is how we communicate with suppliers and clients, all of that is in my head. And so nobody could ever be expected to join my team and to meet expectations that haven't been clearly communicated or shared to them. So I think that's also an important point on a principal advisor side, that if you are interested to grow your team, and if you are interested to have people come under your branded umbrella, and if you are going to have really high expectations like I am, have you set the foundation to communicate those expectations and have you set up some sort of guide to either share with the new advisor or have an orientation where you walk them through all the expectations because if that isn't in place then 
you're almost setting up a new advisor for failure to meet those high expectations. Yeah, I think number one, yes, that's a good question to talk through with the agency owner. A lot of it's going to come down to personality, right? Some people don't Mm -hmm. respond well to highly structured. They want that autonomy. And some people absolutely want the structure so they can just follow the process. That's pretty Mm -hmm. freeing in itself. And then as the agency owner, if we're going to have the that consistency expectation, then yes, we need to be documenting our processes and creating, I mean, email templates go a long way, especially if they're kind of fill in the blank to provide that. But then you just want to, I think you'd want to have some kind of, like you said, a culture guide, yeah, language that is encouraged, language that is discouraged, you know, mm-hmm. please don't mm-hmm. tag your BDM on Facebook when you're having a rant, please, you know, things like that. Don't do that. <laughs> Please send a private email and discuss them professionally. Professionally. Yeah. So, okay. So two other questions come top of mind to me. One is, do you have any experience seeing, or do you think you could predict the growth potential of someone starting as a travel advisor, 100% versus someone starting as a travel entrepreneur? Personally, I think that you can skyrocket your progress by joining a team as long as the team is the good fit for you, as long as you're getting the mentorship. I mean, I find that a huge, huge thing for our team is just helping them decide on those first steps. Which supplier should I use? Where is it appropriate for me to ask this question? Learning all of that on your own takes a long time. So just that alone, just having that advice on how to tackle each new inquiries that comes in in the beginning Mm -hmm. is a head start that is unmeasurable, I think. Immeasurable? That's the right grammar there. (laughs) Immeasurable. Google that later. So I provide this type of support for my team, even though they are having their own branding, their own website, everything. Yep. So there is it is possible to have this kind of in-between setup where I'll help you field the new inquiries and decide what to say yes and no to and how to reach out to a supplier and how to figure out which supplier is the best. And and we have these conversations on my team. The difference is, is that when I'm checking in with each of the advisors on my team, it's not only, hey, I'm working on this trip and this trip and this trip. It's also, I'm talking with my graphic designer and I'm talking with my, I'm working on my website right now. And this is taking me much longer than usual. And I'm trying to work on my Instagram, you know, social media marketing plan. And I'm creating all these reels and set and writing my captions for the next month. And it's really time consuming. And I also have a call next week scheduled with the travel lawyer and we're trying to get my TNC set up. And so I don't want to say that it's a distraction because it's not a distraction. It's what needs to be done to run a business. Yes. But it is segmenting and dividing the time that they can be spending on just planning travel. And the repercussions of that are that turning around proposals takes longer. Mm -hmm. And if turning around proposals takes longer than closing sales takes longer. And if closing sales takes longer, then the amount of travel that you can confer in your first year, your second year of business is not as high as someone who can just focus on travel planning. And as you become more and more overwhelmed with travel inquiry, travel inquiries, excuse me, you start to let the other things slip because you're so focused on closing sales and getting money coming in. And then you can create this <sighs> mountain of tasks that, you know, it just can be really stressful. You really have to 
prepared to be a business owner. Slap in the face of a reality check dream. <laughs> you didn't come here to get drafted, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is the truth. I think that I, I was so determined when I got started to have my own brand, to have my own logo, to have my business, my face. And, and I and I still really feel strongly about that. I've thought about this a lot of like, if I went back to day one, would I join an established team and would I do things different? I think I would try to join an established team kind of like I've set up now, yeah. where it's like I have a mentor, I'm connected to someone as a sub agent. It is not a lifelong imprisonment. Mm. It is simply a mentorship setup, which is the way I've set it up with my team. And I would still have my own brand because I still love and adore the brand that I have set up. But I can recognize that the advisors now who I'm watching, who are joining a team and who just get to focus on travel planning, their business is soaring Mm -hmm. in the first year and, and second year. Whereas it took three or four years for mine to like really find the traction and the footing and to get going. They're just off to the races from year one. Yep. Because they just get to talk about travel and plan travel and send clients on the way and welcome them home and rinse and repeat. And now for me, I was websiting, graphics and logo and newsletter and Instagram for three or three years, let's say I did it and like bookkeeping, solidly. Admin and accounting yeah. and all the admin stuff and all the things. And then my business caught traction. And now I've got clients and now I've got repeat referral clients keeping me busy. And guess what's no longer happening whatsoever? Instagram and marketing and website updates and all those things that I worked so hard to not only establish and to set up, but to learn. The amount of time I have invested in just learning not only how to design a newsletter, but how to like make it interesting and write a subject line and get people to open it and get people to respond. And these are skills Mm -hmm. that I've acquired that I'm no longer using because I'm too busy with client inquiries. And so here we are with this big dose of reality that you've just handed all of us. Of Once you do get busy, there becomes such a long list of entrepreneurial duties that you have as a travel entrepreneur that I can't even attend to because I'm so amazingly busy with travel planning work. That's the direct moneymaker. So that has to be a priority. Well, and I think the thing is, too, I think one would think, oh, well, who cares? Because you are so busy, those other things don't matter. But at the end, you got to keep the momentum going. You still need fresh energy coming into your business. So if you say, okay, well, I'm busy now. I can just scrap everything else. Let my reconciling pile up. Let the marketing go. You're going to hit a wall. And now you don't Mm -hmm. have any fresh energy coming in. And now the momentum is gone. You do have, there is effort that needs to be taken to keep that momentum going. Even when you're really busy with inquiries, it's not smart to say, oh, I'm good now. I don't have to put myself out there. I'm all set. Yeah. You're all set for now. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to like best summarize, you know, what to think about when you're right back at square two, like I mentioned at the beginning and you're at that fork in the road. I think that. Entering as a travel planner, where you're just going to focus 100% of your time, that is your passion, that is what you want to do day in and day out. You know that you're going to learn new things, you know that there's going to be, there are going to be challenges, there are going to be learning moments, but they're all going to be related directly to travel planning and nothing else. If that's what you're looking forward to, join a team, right? If you feel called to having your own website, having your own branding, really being a travel entrepreneur, you have to know getting started that it's the long game. Yeah. 
it is going to take you longer to ramp up. It is going to take you longer to make money that feels good because your time is divided. You still have a con- like a set amount of time and it's not all being dedicated to travel planning. It's divided with all of these other things that need to be done. And so it's the long game. And then you're going to get to the point that you're finally making money and you're ramping up and you're doing well with your business, success as a travel entrepreneur, and then all of the entrepreneurial tasks that are going to keep your business fresh and going and keep new clients coming in are going to start falling to the wayside because your time is going to become so segmented that there's not going to be enough of it. Enter your HR role. (laughs) Enter your HR role. And so if you... An HR role is probably the toughest role I've had to learn. And I still suck at it. I still don't feel confident. I still don't feel good about it. I still dread it. And I put it off for as long as possible, which is also not good. I think building your own brand and being a travel entrepreneur, if your mind is not in the game about eventually putting on your HR hat, you probably shouldn't be going down that path. Right. It's path to a because dead end. You're going to have to put on an HR hat at some point if you want to build your own brand. Whether that's an assistant or an accountant or a social media manager or a copywriter or actually growing your team of advisors and maybe all of the above. At some point, you're going to have to put on the HR hat. Yep. And I wish that someone would have been able to describe those two different journeys for me when I was getting started. Yeah. I just want to say it is important to know that even if you join a team with branding and all of those things, you still are going to have to do some marketing for yourself. You have to put yourself out there with your personality. So it's not like you walk in and you just start working and you don't have to lift a finger in the marketing department, but you're already set up hopefully with templates and logos and all of the things that make it easier for you to do that and also a mentor to help you do that. And I think this is important to know because I think there are a lot of people who do want to take that easier, quicker path and have that kind of a team environment, but have at least a flicker of entrepreneurialism. Want something that's their own. You can have it all. You can join a branded team and, well, depending on the team and you have to ask how much individualism. All teams are different. You got to ask these questions. And then you can also join a team under your own brand. Under no circumstances do you have to go this alone. And that's really important to know. And if that's really what you want and you're like, I want to take it all on and I don't need to make any money for a while. <laughs> I, I'm okay with just spending for, like for a while. Yeah. That's available. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's impossible to make this prediction. But when advisors join my team as travel entrepreneurs, I pretty much prepare them for like two years of yeah. really not making a lot of money next to no money. But if somebody came on and they were just going to focus on travel advising and just be a travel advisor and join a team, man, I might say eight to 12 months. Yes. It shortens that runway by half, half, 50% of that runway is cut off if you just focus on travel planning versus being a travel entrepreneur. Yeah. That would be my estimation. And I think it would be a shame for someone because there's people who are entrepreneurs in their hearts like you and I. And there are people that absolutely do not have that. And it would be a shame for the people who don't have that inner desire to think that the only way to get into the travel business is to force themselves to be a business owner like that. Because it's yes, just not I true. Agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think there's one other option that you hinted at of like joining a team, but also not having to do any, like literally not even lifting a finger to do any marketing. And I believe that would be more 
comparable to like an employee. Yes. Yep. And those exist as well. I mean, you can just get into this business and there are so many different options based on what you are trying to accomplish. It's really a beautiful thing, but you don't know what you don't know. And I think a lot of newer advisors don't know that they have all these options. They just go right to joining Mm -hmm. a large host Mm -hmm. and think they have to do everything themselves. I had no idea. When I got started, I thought that I absolutely had to do it alone. There was no other choice. Therefore, my options were which consortia and which host agency, and those are kind of connected. Yep. You know, host agencies go with consortias. I never considered being an employee, so maybe I didn't even look into that. But then when it came to joining an established team with their branding and just focus on travel advising versus becoming a travel entrepreneur, I didn't know I had a choice. And so I went the hard way. And I might go the hard way again, but I would feel better intentionally choosing the travel entrepreneur route as opposed to feeling like that's the only option. Therefore I have to. Exactly. Got lots of options, baby. (laughs) Yes. And if you don't know, if you want to join a team, my answer is always the same. If you want to join a team as a travel entrepreneur, if you want to be a travel entrepreneur, but you don't want to be 100% solo by yourself, there are teams that you can join and be an entrepreneur. And if you don't know where those teams are, ask. Mm-hmm. DM me, DM Kareen, join the Masters in Travel community where there are hundreds of advisors and simply say, this is what I'm looking for. Where can I find it? And there are definitely going to be people that pop up and point you in the right direction. If you want to be just a travel advisor, but you also want to have that IC model where it's not an employee model. So you want to join an established team that's got some, they've got their system set up, they've got their marketing already going, and you know that you're going to have to do a little bit to support your book of business and to support your growth, but you know it's going to be faster because you can focus all your time and energy on being a travel planner. If you know you want to join that team, but now you just don't know your options and you want to find the right team, but you don't even know who to start asking, again, ask us. Mm -hmm. Go into the Masters and Travel community and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Who should I reach out to? Whose team is accepting new advisors? Where can I start looking? And it's usually just like a like a loose thread, right? Yes. Like you find one, you start pulling, and then you find a bajillion. Absolutely. Usually finding the first one or two is the hardest. Yep. We love playing matchmaker. Oh, it's a very fun job. Very, <laughs> very fun. Creed, thank you so much for diving into this with me. I feel like this is a much, much needed conversation and also just a differentiation in all of the opportunities that are available in the industry. So I'm really grateful for you and for your time and for sharing your experience with us today. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you loved today's conversation as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who's ready to level up their travel business. If you want more, head over to beamasterintravel.com. On our website, you'll find a free resource library for travel advisors, free community forums where you can ask questions and support your colleagues, and courses and workshops in the Academy Marketplace to support your learning and development as a business owner and as a professional travel advisor. On our website, you can also learn about the Masters in Travel community and Think Tank, a private community where we collaborate, strategize, and ideate together with advisors working towards similar goals and tackling similar challenges. Learn more and join our community at beamasterintravel.com.